Minnesota basketball fans, welcome back to the Living in Loserville podcast. He's Aaron, I'm Chris, and we're here to talk some Timberwolves basketball. Now, if you've listened to the show for a while, you know we do a gopher segment on the back end. Not a whole lot to talk about when it comes to gopher basketball right now. We may address, uh, you know, in a slightly down the stretch of the show. It's been a little rough one there, but we will. Speaking of rough one, last night, the damn score was like 13 to 12 Timberwolves. And next thing you know, it's like 49 to something. Uh, it was an ugly, ugly game. We'll spare you the details. We're not going to go break that game down. We're just going to kind of give our thoughts and just, uh, you know, on the, the last chunk of games, life gets in the way. So we did have to kind of delay the show. So there has been another game in there. So, you know, there's been a lot of games. So we'll just kind of nutshell our thoughts on the last, you know, since two Mondays ago. Um, and then, of course, you know, give some detail on the, you know, Ant being an all-star snub. Was he, you know, should he have gotten in? Should he have not? Is there a silver lining to it? Uh, some of the defense uh, improvement we've made in the last little bit. J-Mac is back. It was good to see him on the court. Is Noel turning the corner? There's a variety of stuff. We'll preview and predict some of the games we got coming up um, before the break. We're, we're in a stretch that's tough. We have, like, two difficult other parts of the schedule, uh, but at least it starts to, you know, give us a little break. I mean, some of these – schedules it's just been ridiculous but we'll get into it in just a second if this is your first time listening to the living in loserville podcast welcome it streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope it open radio however you don't have to go to blog talk and rope it open and download the show directly there you can find this you know podcast in a number of ways under the rope Dope radio apple podcast amazon music iheart radio player fm tune in spricker google podcast we also have um, or no, Stitcher. We also have a, a, damn it, Stitcher. It's Stitcher living in Loserville. Um, and then Spotify as well. Check that out. Um, there's a lot of places, obviously, you can listen to this puppy. Um, and while you're at it, why don't you head on over to the Sports News 24 and the gruelingtruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you're happy, not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. Get your TV together without the hassle of cable. Uh, stream the best entertainment and sports, starting with 75 live channels for a limited time only. Save $120 over the first year when you sign up for any package and buy the DirecTV streaming device. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. Plus, learn how to get the premium channels included for the first three months for qualifying package. Sign up today. They also have a deal now. Get MGM Plus for $0.99 for three months. Call 1-800-531-5000 or visit DirecTV slash MGM Plus. Okay. So let's go ahead and bring in the co-host of this fine program, uh, Aaron. How are you doing, sir? Obviously, you know, from a, a, a Wolf's perspective, you know, the game last night got ugly quick in the first quarter. Uh, but other than that, you know, they've been playing pretty good ball lately. Yeah, for the most part. And that is, uh, back to the forward, that is a Spricker page, uh, not a Stitcher page. Living in Loserville at Spricker.com. But like he said, you can find it anywhere. You're going to take it to his link or my link or both links, gotcha. so it doesn't matter, Spricker. Um, 
Weather's turning out pretty nice. Heck of a day today, at least where I am. Um, so that's nice, but you know, you're still not out of the woods. And speaking of out of the woods, I mean, what was that? 10 games in how many nights? Uh, I don't know. A stretch it's 10 of, games in 14 nights. That's it. And now, of, right now, it's 13 and 20. Okay. So that's, yeah. It's been ridiculous. It's been ridiculous. Um, but I mean, it's held up well for the most part. I mean, last night was a, I guess, and the, to start off the stretch of games, I think we dropped one to Houston that wasn't beautiful last time we did the podcast. But for the most part, everybody's playing well defensively. It's picked up a little bit, um, which has helped, I think, coming down the stretch of most of those games. Don't know what happened last night. Like I said, we're not going to dwell on it because for the most part, uh, playing winning basketball. But um, you would like to see them, you know, compete a little bit more, but a little back-to-back with Denver and you split. I mean, that's probably what you would have thought uh, going into those two games. Yeah, obviously it doesn't feel like a split because they had a back-to-back and the, the game got pushed up a little bit. And same thing that we ha- happened to us, at, actually, when we faced Denver the last time on the road. Um, so they sat, you know, some of their star players. But uh, overall, at the end of the day, it was still 2-2. Two and two And, and it, the, the time before it was Houston, but this time it was sack. The back-to-back loss to sack. And that was a very winnable game, and I'm glad we started right there. It, it, it just seemed like, we, you know, went into overtime and all that, and – just down the stretch, it just those turnovers and, you know, giving them a second chance on the rebounds. Just overall, they, they just made like a run down the stretch that it just just too much. 16, I think going into overtime, it was like 16 or 18 turnovers. They had 21 points off of it. Uh, we got the bonus to get the sixth foul, but then it was kind of funny. All of a sudden, he could come back in the game. He thought he fouled out because <laughs> – at the start, he picked up this technical, so he thought he fouled out. And so it was like, whoa, what's going on? Okay, we got six fouls on him. So we got him again to get six fouls. But that fourth quarter, even before, um, you know, the, the overtime where we, we just lost turnovers and just stupid stuff down the stretch, miscommunications on defense, um, and Lyles ate us up with a couple of threes, and he had this pump fake. I think. He hit two threes and then had a pump fake drive and end one. Um, but down the stretch, just missing wide open shots. So we create the shot, and that's what, you know, does kind of bug you sometimes if you create the shot, and there's a bunch of them, not just, oh, you missed an open jumper at the end. That's totally different. I'm definitely not talking about that. But if you look at that fourth quarter, it, it was just a little funky there. It is tough to beat a playoff team back-to-back like that in the regular season, but you know, they were both at home and you had a day off between it. So that was a little, you know, but to, to follow it right back up with the win over Golden State, that was really good. We went into overtime again, and I'm thinking, oh, man, you know, like here we go again. But uh, and actually D'Lo, one of the fouls was pretty ridiculous, but D'Lo fouled out pretty early in that one. Prince hit a three to put us up and hit a midi and then a driving layup. Poole made it close, but then Nas put it away with that nasty pump fake to a dunk. Or, no, wait, it was a miss. He, he missed the three but followed it up with a nasty dunk. That put it away. So it was it was nice. Nas had a good game that game, no doubt. A lot of people had, you know, several people had a good game in that one. But um, it, basically we, we, we just were able to, because a lot, like eight minutes, I think, 
Ant. Ant was really tired in that game. He came back at 433 mark, and people were screaming at, like, the eight-minute mark. It's like, well, he had played kind of longer minutes on his on his second stint. So it was like, well, they're probably going to keep him out for a little bit longer. Not only that, but the lineup, and we know Finchie and plenty of other coaches do that. If the lineup's doing good and getting you back in the game or you're leading, sometimes you wait a couple minutes. But I remember Twitter was kind of freaking out with that. But he, he checked back in, and he was there, and he made buckets down the stretch. So in the end, it didn't matter. Now, here's the problem. The very next uh, game was Orlando, and they just they came out. They just got too comfortable. It was weird. They they came out, looked really good in the first thirty four to twenty seven, but then the second and third quarters they they got beat thirty seven to twenty three in the second, and then twenty six to eighteen. Sure, in the fourth quarter, uh, deep in the well, not deep, most of the fourth quarter, forty five to thirty seven. You know, 45 points in a quarter is great, but, you know, you also gave up 37 points. Now, some of that was because the bench was in kind of a combination of starters and bench, and that hasn't been as good defensively. Um, and, you know, and, and D'Lo, I think, were a combined, like, I can't remember, like one of, I don't know, one of seven from, from the three or something. Or maybe Ant had a bad shooting night from three. I think, yeah, actually, that was his first non-20-point game in a long, long time. That's what it was. But the turnovers, 20 turnovers, and D'Lo and Ant had 10 of them. It was just – I just didn't – it's like, okay, they showed up in the first quarter for a team they should beat, Aaron. But then they just got comfortable with a nice little lead. It, it, that, that's where the inconsistencies, I think, have been legit with this team, where it, you got to stop forget, you know, stop thinking about who you're playing and just play one way all the time. Yeah, I think you nailed it there with inconsistency. It's like, you know, you come out, you, for the most part now, this is not a epidemic with the Wolves like it used to be and being inconsistent and stuff. But, like, there's still those little vestiges of things that should have been uh, lately. And like they said, you get a tough loss. Uh, <clears throat> and then you come out and you have probably the game of the year, at least the game of this stretch, uh, against Golden State, and it wasn't like, you know, Golden State played badly. Uh, it wasn't like, you know, you just come out and you beat them, and it was high-energy game, good defense, and you match them down up and down the court, and you come away with the victory. And then you go the next day against an Orlando squad, which is a scrappy squad, but they're not, you know, speaking of scrap, by the way, that's a get into that, but, um, you know, and you lose that game to a team that you probably should win. Now, I know you don't have Cat and blah blah blah, but you know it's Orlando, and they're not they're not world beaters. You should get uh, you should be able to beat them. And obviously, Rivers had a, a little altercation in that one with Mo Bamba, and you know we could talk a little bit about it. It just seemed like some stuff was being said back and forth, and you know things sure. got out of hand, and uh, you know a little bit better on this time than the Vikings were when other players came to aid of of another player. And I don't know what the aftermath is. I'm sure you can say who got fined for what I know some guys got ejected, but you want to see them be consistent and play like they did against golden state uh, throughout any stretch of games. Um, you can probably improve your record by three, four games at this point, if not more, but like you said, mm. it's all a little bit of matchups, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, I think we might be even a, maybe a tougher squad than a more physical squad than golden state is at the moment, which might've gave us the edge there, but. You would like to see him come out and finish up against Orlando with another win. Yeah, and I mean, looking back at it, you know, it's stretching back 
not a month, maybe three weeks. Um, you know, we had some close that really close loss on the road at Denver. Um, but to, you know, at New Orleans, Memphis, SAC, those three games in a row, then Golden State not long after, there's still some quality wins in there. And we said that the, you know, the schedule was going to be tough and 10 games, four nights. And then, you know, basically, well, I suppose it'd be 14 and 22 or 21 now, including tonight because we're on a back to back. But the, the good thing about the schedule, yes. You know, it's top five in win percentage, so it is, uh, you know, we have some difficult stuff left, no doubt about it. But after tonight, basically, you know, we, we go back to back, and then we do get a day off, but then it's at Memphis. But then it's kind of nice going into the break. We're going to have uh, – we have a game, so this Friday. Then we have Saturday, Sunday off, play at Dallas, which has, you know, a new member to their squad, a pretty big trade. Then Tuesday, Wednesday off, then play, you know, a, a nice game, like a game, and then we're done. So we we actually get, we only have two games in a stretch of like, you know, six six days. And then we get a break, and we literally, you know, don't play till that following Friday. So um, it, 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 it does loosen up. Now we got Charlotte, you know, at home. Uh, coming out of that, but then here's the two stretches that I'm talking about. We're in a current stretch, but the Golden State, at Golden State, at Clippers, at Lakers, at Sacktown, and then Philly at home. Now, there are spaces between that, uh, like Sunday to Tuesday, but Tuesday to Friday, there's a back-to-back, but then you don't play till Tuesday, then you don't play till Friday. In Brooklyn, we'll see what that squad looks like after the Kyrie stuff, you know, just like Dallas. And then there's another stretch down – like in the last 10 games at Golden State, at SAC, at Phoenix, Lakers. So the the current stretch run in those other two are very difficult, no doubt about it, and it's going to mean a lot for, you know, the, the seeding. But at least we get some, like, two-day breaks in there uh, because this schedule we've been on has been nuts. So, you know, we, we you can kind of tell, I think the combination – of this trade deadline coming up and D'Lo and Nas being at the front, you know, of all the phone calls. Um, and we were just talking about this before we hit record. Um, I remember Nas saying uh, a few weeks back in a, in a post presser after a loss saying, you know, we know what some issues are. It's a little awkward, but we're going to keep it in house. And a lot of people took that in, in a lot of it was media and part-time media took that as like, you know, Oh, dude, they're not getting along, this, that, and the other. I, we don't really know what he meant all the way, but we've been playing great ball since then. So in the end, it really, they, they figured it out. We know they had a team meeting because, you know, it was a five-game losing stretch. But I really think that they were just honest more than likely with D'Lo and Nas and say, hey, there's a decent chance something could happen because we're getting a ton of calls. So, you know, to – the reason why I'm bringing this up, Aaron, is because I'm seeing this this trend lately of, like, the, the last couple – only when they lose, of course. But yeah. it's just – this team is just dying for them to make a move. They're screaming. You can see it on the court. They're screaming for this team to make a move. It's like – to me, that's just such a knee-jerk, dumb thing to say. And it's just for Twitter retweets and likes, man. It's just like this. This is actually a pretty tight knit unit, but yeah, dude. If you know 
the unit that you think you have is about to get traded, you know, a decent, at least a 50-50 chance, it does get a little weird. But at the same time, they've been playing some of their best balls. So I think they just – I think it's just they're tired as hell. You know, that's what it looks like on the court in some of these games. Yeah, I agree with you, too. And I'm right there with you and seeing everybody thinking this team needs this and that and these outlandish trades. And, you know, let's say you trade Nas. I'm going to miss him, man. I've really come accustomed to Nas on this squad. Let's say you trade – Russell, I mean, I've gone on about how I feel about Russell and his play in previous episodes, and that, depending on what you get back is how we're going to have to grade any of that. And, you know, I, I'm not – I kind of like the nucleus we have at the moment, and if we can make it work, I'm fine with that too. But if you got a chance to improve, uh, I'm fine with that as well. But I just don't want to get in a situation. we got to get some picks back and all that stuff. So, I mean, it, there's a lot going on there, but I don't think necessarily, you know, it's the saying, Chris, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I don't think it's necessarily broke at this point in time. I think, yeah, you could probably use Cat back. You could probably, now that McLaughlin's back, get him up to speed, maybe deal with some stuff with the bench. But you're not, you know, these wholesale moves, i.e. Kyrie getting out of uh, Brooklyn and, and on to Dallas. I mean, I guess he asked for the trade, so there's not much you can do there, but um, maybe get some compensation. But uh, as far as just doing something to do something, it's never been – is something I've really been uh, agreed with, and I don't think you have either. And, you know, going back a little bit to what you said about at the end of the month, that West Coast stretch, that's a little iffy, Chris, uh, the Golden State, L.A., L.A., and SAC. You just never know how they're going to react to those. You know, they they uh, sometimes they go down there and they play really, really well, and other times they go down there and they lay an egg throughout the history of this franchise. So you don't really know. But, I, you know, you got to figure they're going to, they're going to play well. They're, none of those teams are uh, bad teams, really. Sacramento might be the worst of, well, last night. I guess the Lakers aren't great this year, but, you know, they can crank it up. They got great players. But So that's another inconsistent part where it's going to have to see it when they enter that stretch. But as far as, like, you know, trading things for the sake of trading, and, you know, a lot of people are taking their thoughts of Russell uh, previously and attaching it to Russell this year. Now we know he's in a contract year. You know, that might be why he's playing better. Who knows? Um, but uh, for whatever reason, I'd like to see that continue. And obviously, if you're going to move Reed, uh, which, you know, he's one of those highlighted names like you mentioned, um, boy, you better give me something I, I like back because I think Reed's really progressed as a player, and it would be really tough to see him go without seeing something come back. And I mean, other than a draft pick. Um you know, because you never know what you're going to get with those. So, you know, I'm not too attached to them, but I still think, you know, you, you got to improve your team by trades, Chris. You can't just trade for trade's sake. And some of these outlandish things I'm seeing on Twitter and ideas and all these things that they work out in the trade uh, machine yeah. are just, just you know, laughable at times. Like, you think you're going to get Lillard? I mean, no, you're not going to get Lillard out of Portland. He's like a, a max player for them, or at least should be. I mean, he's their, probably their best player and has been for a while. What what possibly could give you the idea that they're trying to move him unless, you know, you know otherwise? And so it's just like, you know, you're going to call these guys with these trades. It's just kind of – it's it's confusing to me how much, uh, how much this team has improved as a franchise as far as personnel, and yet still, you know, people get grudges on players and they want to ship them out of town and – you know, it just it doesn't make a lot of sense to me when you're trying to build a core, you're trying to build some continuity here. And when we talk about consistency, moving players all the time is not something that adds to consistency. 
Yep. And like we talked about, like, it just feels like it's like people don't, it's like they didn't even watch the last two years of Timberwolves basketball and how we did have some injuries and that did cause us some delay in seeing what we got. You know, we still don't know 100% what we got out of our starting lineup, if we're being honest about it, because a cat, you know. Now, Curry did go down with an injury. It's not serious. Sounds like he'll be back after the break or, or maybe a little bit, you know, after, after, I guess you could say. Um, Dallas made that trade. Um, they had been a good defensive team, especially last year. That's gone now, but you're going to have to outscore them. That's for damn sure. Maybe that'll take a little bit to gel. Um, we'll see. Uh Otherwise, you know, just trying to look at some of these teams that are fighting to get, you know, to, to not be in the seventh seat, to get that fifth or sixth or, or higher, obviously, too. So there's a lot that takes place. And the thing about Nas Reed on his current contract, it's hard to get a solid player back because he doesn't make much. He's about to make some good money, whether it's eight or ten million a year. Um, so in the – and this is – I mean, I like that the NBA has – uh you know, you got to be within, I think it's 15%. Um, so, and you can tweak stuff to make it happen like that, but it will be tough just one for one because they'd be playing an underrated, underpaid, played above his, you know, pay scale type player too. Maybe it'd just be fit. Um, so I do kind of think it would be D'Lo and Nas or, or maybe somebody else, maybe Noel, and I don't really know, but, but I'm not sure if it would just be that and we get a quality player like him back. And then obviously I do get that he is going to pro- – someone's going to give him a deal next year, and it's probably going to be too steep for us given what we have on the roster. Um, but we don't – you know, Cat is still not going to be back for at least a few weeks. So do you really want to get rid of him right now? <laughs> you know, it just seems like – I don't know. It, it's a funky – Weird scenario that's not ideal. A lot of this stuff isn't ideal. Um, but I liked how you said, it, you know, stick with this. Or if the trade helps and we get a different type of point guard that, that fits better, cool. Either way, I mean, we do have D'Lo, who played pretty damn good last year for a long part of the season. But all the percentages and all that are up this year for shooting and two-point shooting and three-point shooting, yada, yada, I suppose, even free throw shooting. And we still have that. We can go to Rivers late for defense. We can go to Noel and now J-Mac for change of pace. So that'll help D'Lo too. And then that gets D'Lo off the ball because we know J-Mac is fun. It's funny how it's just this big clash between these two with the fans and media. Yeah. But they play really good together. And we've known about that for like a year and a half now. Uh, more well, I was going to say, I was going to say, you know, it's, I think people hold a grudge against Russell for some reason, you know, and, He's had his ups and downs, don't get me wrong. That playoff stretch last year, he could have been better. But without him getting us through the play-in game, we wouldn't have had a playoff uh, series there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he needs to improve in that point. But to hold a grudge against him or whatever it is, that because people have been trying to move him for three years, and I just don't understand what their problem is with him. And then Nas, again, Chris, he's like this. Just like you mentioned, he's this a, a big insurance policy. You know, it's like okay, cat goes down, you got Nas, he can come in. Gobert's got a a knee or, or an ankle, you know, then you can mm-hmm. bring him in for that, and it's, it's nice to have that insurance. And if you don't bring that back in a trade, well, then you're going to have to go to what Luca or maybe play uh, yeah. Anderson down low. 
and that just makes you a lot smaller um, than you, more small than you probably could function for a, a stretch in. And so, I mean, I'm if you're going to move Dila, okay, you're probably going to get some decent compensation. I'm not too worried about that. It's the Nas thing. It's like how high is he valued? What can you get back? Is it worth moving him if you can't get enough back? And uh, and like I said, I'm not gonna real interested in, in draft picks. I want a, a player and some picks or something like that. You got to fill that role, that spot somehow. And then maybe Luca's ready, but I just don't really see that. I don't think Luca's good enough to make Nas expendable at this uh, point in time. But we'll see which direction they go with it. Yeah, if any. Right, exactly. It might not be any. I mean, hey, if a deal's there and it works, you got to do it. But you know, um, but overall, like we mentioned, uh, the defense definitely. You look at the last ten to fifteen, twenty games, different efficiency stats and all that. It's it's really coming together. We are starting to see uh, for for a change, much like last year, us creating the turnover and getting points, fast break points off of it, or easy open looks. Still too many bad turnovers. And randomly out of nowhere, uh, the free throw issue. We Just out of nowhere, completely out of nowhere, it feels like, the last chunk of games we've had. And not every game, but we've had these free throw issues where you're like, we're in the, or this game's tight now because we didn't hit our free throws. So that, a little funky. Now, speaking of free throws, Ant is probably a little low right now, but like on his average. But that's because he had a bad stretch of free throws. If you look at the last chunk of games, one, he's hitting his free throws, and two, Ant's getting to the line now. It's something we have to document. This He's really getting to the line the last chunk of games. And like I said, not just hitting them, but getting there at a high level, at a high rate, getting there eight times, ten times. And, and that's something as far as, you know, turning the corner and everything like that, being this elite-level type player. That'd be good, but it, it is nice to see. Yeah, it's really huge. Uh, easy buckets and, and all that. But yeah, and we forcing gotta, the rest. It's like, you know, everybody yeah. complains about Cat and how way he handles fouls and non foul calls. And it's like, okay, Ant's doing it the right way. Get to the paint, get inside, get to the rim, and put it on the ref. He's going to make the call or he's not, you know, and don't give him, a, you know, he's not giving attitude. Every once in a while, I'll see him throw his arms up, but he's on his way back down the court. And I don't think he's getting yeah, as many usually calls. He just screams, you know. He'll right. just scream. <laughs> you know? And you get the and one if you put that, you know, you give the, you put it in the referee's hands right away. It's like, okay, I got to the rim, I made the bucket. You can call the whistle. You cannot, you cannot blow the whistle. But you're gonna, you know, more times now than not, he's gonna get calls. And I would like to even see that improve a little bit more for getting a few more calls because I think there's a few missed ones, but not to the extent of. Uh, that you really say is a big problem. The, the important thing is that he's getting to the rim and putting uh, not only the refs, but the defense in a position where they're going to have to deal with him, you know, two foot from the rim or layups. And and that's huge for him because of the size of his body and his athleticism. And his he's really quite good around the rim. <laughs> he can, I mean, yeah, some of the stuff he does, it's not, it's, you've seen some stuff before, but some of it's like, I don't know if I've seen somebody go you know, high glass on that shot ever. And uh, so he's pretty creative around there. Yeah, like you said, his footwork, Euro-esque, without just the Euro stuff every time, but he does other stuff where he's making the layup, but it's it ne- doesn't necessarily draw a foul, so that plays into it too. But even going back to November, it's really just the consistency um, of getting there. 
Like, he has a 9-for-9 nine nine game. He has a game where he's 4-7. of seven. He has back-to-back 10-of-11 at the line, then a 7-for-7, 4-of-6, 9-of-10, 6-of-6. Then he goes on a stretch where he was only got there four times, only hit two, two of six. That's what I'm talking about, the one of five game. But, you know, I, I really think then he, he followed up with a 10 of 11. Then there's three games where it's two, one, and one. Then there's a five, and this is what I'm talking about, the eight of 14 and five of nine. That's why the numbers don't look as good. But of late, six of seven, six of six, seven of nine, five for five, 11 of 12, nine for 10. Just recently, he had an eight for 10 and five for six. So it's just consistently just – upping that to where it's like in the seven or eight uh, times a, a game uh, average. You know what I mean? That That's probably where it needs to be uh, overall. But, um, yeah, we got to get – and this is just – this is not just Ant by any stretch because, like I said, I just kind of documented it there. But we just had some of these games lately where we're just randomly missing free throws. Like we started out like 0-7 in that sack game, and it's like it wouldn't have even gone overtime if we just hit half of those, you know. Um, so – Good stuff, bad stuff. Um, we talked about it last time about using Rivers for defense and uh, doing those offense-defense down the stretch. We've seen a little bit of that from Finch. Um, the combination of two guys off the bench, J-Mac being back um, and then Noel turning the corner. His numbers haven't been great per se. He had a 16-point game the other day. It just feels like his confidence is starting to come around. But we really, really need him down the stretch, man. And, I mean, I guess maybe he could get traded, but and they just go with Rivers now that J-Max back. That that's a possibility. But um, you know, he hasn't really fit. He's been inconsistent in the six-man role. Um, and we know Beasley was just a shooter, and that's it. Um, whereas Noel can drive. He's not the shooter Beasley is, but he can drive. He can shoot, you know, from three somewhat. This year, it's been it's been struggling, but you know, they've given him plenty of minutes. Sometimes, you know, with Rivers playing and whatnot in different lineups, he hasn't been in the, a consistent role of getting full minutes at times. Uh, just the other day, I think two pressers ago, uh, Finch was talking about that. But the combination having J-Mac back with the change of pace, the first thing he did was, like, hustle on defense and create a, a turnover right away. It was pretty funny. But – um the combination of J-Mac back giving us a change of pace and a spark off the bench and then helping defensively off the bench, too, because that unit is really rough. As soon as Rudy goes off the floor and the rest of the bench come in, the, the defense has fallen off, no doubt, or does. When he's in the lineup, we're one of the best defense teams in the, in the league for obvious reasons. But uh, the combination of J-Mac back and then can we get Noel to turn the corner and be that legit six-man? Because otherwise – it might be Anderson once Cat gets back as the sixth man and J-Mac, you know? I like Anderson there uh, right now. Like you said, if Noel can turn the corner. Now, you did, and I also did, compare him to, like, Beasley. And we're only saying that about his role. We're not saying that about because I think, you know, he takes better shots than Beasley did, does you know, now. And um, he gets to the rim a little bit more than Beasley. So it's not, a you know, just comparing the role is the thing. And, um, Anderson's been really steady and, and that's where I come into J-Mac is like the consistency that he brings is kind of like Anderson in the way that they both kind of settle things down for the bench. Also, if they're both, either of them are put in the starting lineup, they also do a good job of settling things down, uh, getting into the offense, uh, organizing defensively, I think is a, a big thing. 
And uh, Anderson's more, I think, of a leader, you know, as far as, you know, I, I don't think he's a real vocal guy. He's a lead-by-example type of guy. And J-Mac's just the old-school point guard. Defensively pretty sound. If he was a little bit taller, I think he'd be a little bit better. But um, he gets him in, in the offense steadily. And like you said, he's looking to, to facilitate more than score, but he can come out and hit threes. It's nice to have him back because you do need – sometimes things get out of hand quick, and you've got to have someone to come on the floor and – just settle things down, get you back into a rhythm. And I think that's kind of what his role is. Uh, things with Russell can sometimes get a little uh, hairy because, you know, he's missing a shot or he's taking a shot too soon in the clock or uh, he sees an opportunity that didn't really pan out. And that's where you're not going to see uh, J-Mac really go too far uh, out on a limb. He's going to stay pretty consistent. And it's nice to have another tool to just kind of come in and, if you need to settle it down, get guys into stuff. You know, those two players, Anderson, are those kind of players. Now, Noel, he's a scorer. I mean, guess he does what you ask him to do, um, come in and, and with energy and, and try to get some buckets, and he can do that. I'd like to see shot selection be a little bit better. But, I mean, he makes his shots for the most part. So the corner he needs to turn, I think, is a little bit going to the Anderson J-Max side and sort of settling down a little bit, fitting in the offense a little bit more. And I think once he can do that, uh, barring a trade, if, if he's somehow involved in something, um, that's the corner I want to see him turn is just become a little bit more implementable. Like you could put him in with the starters if you had to, because you trust him to not get erratic, or freak out, or start out, you know, shooting shots that are ill-advised. Um, but for the most part, I think he's, for, as far as a six-man goes, I'm more comfortable with Anderson at the moment, but if you need instant offense, you got to go with Noel. Yeah. And speaking of Anderson, like, you know, a lot of people have been big on him for obvious reasons because he's just a good all around player. And I loved it from the start when we, you know, signed him and, and I, and I thought, Oh, that's a perfect replacement when, you know, cat gets in his fall problems, you know, for a few games in a row. And it's like, yeah, that's perfect, especially during the playoffs or regular season. Just you know, and obviously it's it's played out that way even more than I could imagine because a lot of us thought there's no way you could play long minutes with Gobert and Anderson, you know. But Anderson, he doesn't shoot many of them. Uh, but the when he when he's open, especially corner three, he's been hitting them. So it, it's been weird. Like I said, I don't think he shoots through the whole year two or three a game. I don't think he even hits. Well, maybe he shoots two now two and a half or something tops, but he doesn't shoot many of them, but uh, he's been at a good clip. So, um, you know, we'll see that, but you're right. That that's, I don't know. I really like him. Uh, you know, I, I think Rudy should be, will be the first one off the floor as far as bigs and Anderson and, and, and Towns will play. And then when Towns goes to the bench, you know, if he's still on, then it, that would be Nas coming in, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, so, you know, as we get to the break, um, a lot of people are kind of, or not kind of, they're up in arms uh, without, you know, Ant not making the all-star, the all-star snub. Um, and now with Curry was hurt, so there was a, or is going to be hurt for it, it sounds like. So there was a this potential for a replacement. And a lot of people were saying it's either Fox or Ant. But in that scenario, I'd assume it'd be Fox just because they have more wins and they've been in the top three to four pretty much, you know, for a long time. And that's, people don't like to hear that, but that's 
kind of what this stuff is based off of as well. Um, it's a popularity contest, you know, obviously as well. Fox didn't make it. Um, Fox is uh, shooting a better percentage from the floor and has more assists. Ant's shooting a better free range. Uh, neither of them shoot the lights out from free throw or whatever. But, you know, I can see the argument for Ant making it and being a reserve. Um, I can also see a couple other guys just beyond Fox, too, that you could make an argument for, and, and some of it is wins. Um, but it may not be an argument now anyway, well, uh, an argument between these last two Fox and Ant, because Kyrie is now in the West. So I'm assuming he, he was going to be an all-star in the East. He's got the votes to do it. So, And that's where when you get into like voting across the country and across the world, that's where I just don't like the all-star uh, stuff, the ballots and all that, personally. That's why you look at all pro at the end of the year, and that's really the top players most time anyway. Um, but what are your thoughts on the on the snub for the All-Star? And honestly, selfishly, it's a blessing in disguise because if he can get off his feet for six straight days without a game, seven straight game, you know, judging by how he's looked in the last couple of weeks in this team in general, you know, recharging the batteries isn't the worst thing. But I understand why he would be disappointed personally, but he has stated multiple times, hey, as long as we're in the playoffs, I could care less. Yeah, you just poured a large bucket of ice water on what I had to say because, I, you know, you made some really great points. Uh, the rest will be nice for him. Uh, keep him hungry. You know, if he gets the All-Star game, he might be like, well, I've made it or I've done something here. That, yeah. But, yeah. At some point, he's going to make the all-star team. We all know that. And Fox has played well. I think Ant did get snubbed, though, because we just don't have – nobody else made the all-star team on, or the game on this team. I mean, not, you know, it's not mandatory that you have a player on your team that makes it. But I really think Ant deserved to be at least a reserve. And it's odd to me that the coaching – the coaches didn't uh, vote him in as a reserve because I think that's how it works for, for reserves, right? The – the coaches vote for that. Am I wrong on that? Yeah, the coaches do, but not a lot of people think the coach does. Like who's mm. going to do it? I've seen that going around. It's like, well, they, they don't know who's going to. Well, they actually do kind of because they have a league. Now. You don't know until you actually get there who has it. But yeah, right, so I the, hear you. I mean, definitely me that's shouldn't the be a starter. Common. That's for sure. But it's yeah, also I mean, the West. You know, there's yeah, a lot of shooting stacked. guards in the West. You know. Yeah. So, I mean, going against Ant, all these coaches should probably, you know, maybe they say he's not quite ready yet. Maybe the coaches are like, let's keep him hungry. I don't know. But you think you faced him enough. And like you said, it is a stacked shooting guard position in the in the West. Um, and maybe he has to pay his dues. This is, what, his third season? Um, yeah. Because once he it makes wins. it, I, you yeah. know, wins, too. Once he makes it, I don't think he'll, you know, they'll, it'll be a good six, seven-year stretch of the All-Star games for him. Um but I mean, the rest is good. Like you said, you get off his feet, especially with a stretch of games that we just had. Um, keep him also, I think, like I mentioned earlier, is just, you know, keep him hungry. You know, I think that's what you got to do. Um, not that he doesn't motivate himself. He seems pretty self motivated, but just to give him something to kind of work for you. And when he does finally break through and beat out some of these other shooting guards, whoever voted for them, um, I think it'll be a bigger accomplishment for him, mean more to him and, so was he snubbed? Eh, my first initial thought was, yeah, he was snubbed. Um, but like you said, that might be a little selfish. 
Uh, maybe it's just not the time. You know, the NBA has a way, Chris, of kind of, I won't say hazing, but they kind of, you know, you, they rise in a certain level as they go. Like even Jordan, I mean, he made, obviously made the all-star game his first year, but I mean, he didn't get a championship till what, six years in or something like that. Um, not that that was planned or anything, but just you kind of have to ascend through the old vets and, and come through and kind of earn your stripes, uh, in the NBA. And I think that's kind of what the process is. It's not like anybody thinks and isn't a great player. Uh, he's not a rising star. Um, nobody thinks that. I just think, you know, you have to pay your dues. There's some old heads that probably get the all-star nod this time, but that's not going to last long. Right. I mean, at this point, I don't think he's better than Lillard. Um, he's not better than jaw at this point, as far as playing better. Um, Alexander, I think the assists help him out a lot. Um, I think you can make an argument there. And I'm looking at the reserves, you know, because he wasn't going to be a starter. I mean, anyone thinks that he's playing up to the starter level. I just don't think we're – I think that's a little fanboyish. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's an argument to be had, you know, uh, about it. But that's kind of how it is. And, and, you know, Minnesota doesn't have a ton of population compared to the other parts of the country, and that's what it's – Based off, too, and, you know, sometimes it goes off, man, they're third in the West right now. I'm going to vote them. You know, if we had been third or second pretty much the whole time, Ant would have been in for sure, you know. Um, but it is what it is. I think when you have – when you were below 500 or just right around that 500 mark, it's tough. Uh, and like you said, the grandfathered in stuff, too. Um, so – I mean, to me, Rudy continues to show his worth just in general. Hopefully Anderson with this back stuff, the spasms and all that can, can calm down. A game, you know, he missed that game, then he got pulled. He, he came back, did well, then he got pulled out of a game with like five minutes into it. So that was a little rough. I think it actually was that Orlando game. So we definitely missed him, and we're already missing some bodies. So when you lose that and then ultimately you lose, you know, uh, McDaniel's Rivers too. That that did kind of add up on us there, but um, hopefully you know that back home's down and everything like that. Before we get into previewing some of these games, I have been hearing people scream, and this I think this might be the D'Lo stuff too, but they've been screaming point and point and point and it's like dude, like it's even when Carl comes back, the offense should go through him, but they're saying. Point and go through him, not go through him. I got news for people. For quite some time in the playoffs, because of how they're playing Cat uh, and D'Lo, he was. I mean, he got the most shots by like five shots a game. This year, it's even more, and, and jumped even more because you know, obviously, Cat was out, so he's gonna get more shots. But the, I mean, by far, the guy who gets the most plays ran for him, and this isn't a Finch system. He doesn't run a ton of plays, but he and he even said it a couple days ago. Where he's like, "Well, he's calling the plays for me." So in the fourth quarter, do I want to continue to call plays and let him develop as a playmaker, especially in the fourth quarter? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And that's exactly what is happening. They're calling his number a lot, but as, as far as this point guard and to me right now, it's like, dude, we already have a ton of turnovers. Really? Like, you really want to go point guard Ant? And their, their thought behind that is Ant at the point, McDaniel's at the two, and that's a way to get Anderson in the game and have Cat and Gobert. Now, obviously, 
physically that would have looked funky a little while ago, but we, we know now that maybe it's the system. I don't know, but Anderson is shooting a career high of three right now. So it works from a, a spacing the floor to an extent. Now you have three extremely slow people in there, you know, too. I mean, you got Gobert, slow-mo and cat, you know, that's some stiffness involved there. So, I mean, you got to think of that, but this whole, and, and this is what it is. Look at, okay. So we're going to go back from the last three weeks or so. And, and these are turnovers. Okay. I love what Ant's been doing as far as his assist rate as well, but. This is his assist, or this is his turnover rate right now. Five, five, six, four, had a good game, only two, had seven assists. That was one of his best games. Six, six, um, six, four, and then two games ago, he only had two. That was, that was a really, you know, good game for him there. Um, but if we already turn the ball over, it just, it's, it kind of goes back to this video game type shit, dude. He's not a point guard right now. We're not just going to throw him in and say, you got to run the whole offense because up until this year, he didn't want to do it. He would be honest after games when like D'Lo was hurt and J-Mac was hurt. He's like, I hate doing it, to be honest with you. I don't want to bring the ball up every time. And I think people get confused of, you can run screens and play so he's coming off screens and getting the ball and then play make off of that. That's different than just straight up point and. It just doesn't make sense to make him a point guard right now. When I first saw it, I was like, this is outlandish. But now that I, you've kind of pointed out, this is people's idea, Ant, Point, McDaniels had two. Okay, that takes away the ridiculousness of it for me. And now I'll just go, no, I don't I don't like it. And I, I think it's too early because I think what you're going to find is like Jordan, um, he will – when he evolves to the point where he'll start to take games over and he'll know – when to step up. He's going to bring the ball up. He's going right. to put things in. And he's not He's not there yet. I'm saying maybe another season, a season or two, when he gets a full handle of exactly how things go down, then you'll start to see him, by choice, bring the ball up and get people into the offense because that's going to help him uh, do what he needs to do to win games. But at this point, to push him into a, a ball-handling uh, facilitator role when really he's just scoring at will and – you know, also working uh, defensively in ways. I just think let him progress, people. Just slow down this knee-jerk thing of you know, just like we said about the All-Star game. It's like okay, you gotta you gotta come up through it. No, it's hard to sometimes remember that this is his third season. Um, he is a dynamic player. He is capable probably of that role. But why would you put him in it? Allow it to be something that organically happens. Uh, that comes along with age, maturity. You know, Jordan had point guards too, B.J. Armstrong, you know, Paxton, Kerr. Scotty brought the ball up plenty. Uh, These were point guards, but ended up being, you know, Jordan would bring the ball up in important situations. He would bring the ball up uh, in times of need and also just to do it. And so your guard ended up being, your point guard ended up being a three-point shooter. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's what kind of I see happening here. Now, if you want yeah. to go big, sure. And you want to do a stretch of it, I'm fine with it. You there, want to that's McDaniels at the two, stretch, you know, right. a matchup, you got a matchup in the playoffs, something that you can exploit. Sure. That's fine. And I'm sure Ant would have no problem in that situation, but you just to say, okay. And at point, I don't understand the logic besides maybe just getting big. I mean, that to me is the only real excuse to do it for a, a stretch or so, but uh-huh. 
Uh, he's not a point guard. Why do that to him? You know, he's going to benefit most at this point in his career from having a, a, a point guard facilitate the offense so that he can, you know, ISO, he can come off screens, he can uh, hit threes in the corner, things to move around. Make it harder him. to guard him, you know? It's harder to guard him. And if he brings the ball up, you're going to have someone stuck to him from half court. It's like, can he, can he beat that? Yes. But does he want to expend the energy? I don't think so. Um, and do you want him to do that? I don't think so. So I, I understand now where the, what I thought was an outlandish idea where it came from. But now I just think you have to kind of wait and allow him to mature into what he's going to become. And you will see him, uh, bring the ball up and start to control the game. And when he starts to control the game is when you're going to start to see quote unquote point ant. And really he's just going to be bringing the ball up and getting the offense into what, uh, works best for him. Yeah, it's not like he can't facilitate coming off a screen because they've guarded him really well. That's actually the positive we're seeing this year. This is his best facilitating year by far. Now, you know, he does turn the ball over a fair amount considering it's not like he's averaging seven assists or something like that. Some people – and a lot of this is fanboy stuff, and that's what bugs me, and that's why I have to point it out to the about the media fanboying this hard because – I heard someone arguing that, you know, he, he would average just as many assists as Halliburton if that was the case. It's like, dude, Halliburton has less turnovers a game and doubles his assist rate. Just stop, dude. He's not a point guard right now. Don't Well, they're acting, they're acting like he's peaked, you know. Right, he's, yeah, exactly. He hasn't yeah. even hit his prime. You know, he's still a young kid. It's like, yeah. give him some time. Let him mature. Let him see how he wants to facilitate the game. And I think you're going to see it pretty similar. I mean, people are saying, you know, comparing him to Jordan, which is way too early to do that. But as far as style of play and so on, you could see where you could do that. And then, you know, you can compare if these two are going to be together for the next 10 years, knock yeah. on wood, it's, right. it's, it's, you know, McDaniels and Edwards is a, it's a Pippin Jordan thing. And you got to let them work it out, learn to play together. It, and it'll just yeah, it took become them seven years. They had a lot of that team for seven years or not a lot of it, but you know, it took them a while to get to beat Jordan and Pippen, you know? Yeah. And obviously you're not going to, I mean, that's high praise or, or a high comparison. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but sort of the, the dynamic is, yeah. is what I can kind of see. And you got to let that happen organically. And again, just quickly about this. I mean, I don't understand Chris and maybe you can help me, but uh, this Every once in a while, I see on this get rid of Finch thing, and I just, I don't, it doesn't have any legs for me. I don't see anything. It's not like he's bad with the clock. It's not like he doesn't get us in offensive plays. It's not like he's not creative enough. I don't understand what it is because maybe in a game you didn't like a decision he made, or maybe there was a mistake in some kind of time thing, but I just sure, don't like understand. timeouts, I guess you could, you know, play call a little yeah. bit more, but that's his system. He's going to stick to the system, you know? Yeah. And I just don't, I don't want to go off and say that these fans don't know about basketball because I'm, you know, I no, don't, no. you know, but it's just to the point where it doesn't make any sense. Some of these trades, some of this talk, it right. just comes out of left field. And I'm like, what? Like, you know, D'Lo sucks. Okay. D'Lo's a lot of things, but he doesn't suck. You know, he's, right. you know, it just doesn't make any sense. So it's a lot of knee jerk and it's a lot of just, you know, not seeing things through. And that's the thing with Ant is people just have to calm down and relax and let him mature into the player he's going to be. He's not going to hit his prime for another two seasons. Let's calm down and let him develop. 
Yeah, and he doesn't have the handles yet to be a point guard anyway, because if you notice, his turnovers are off of his handles. Not His turnovers aren't a whole lot of them when he's actually passing the ball to someone. It's, he, he loses the dribble, you know? So it's, it's, it's he needs the you can't have you can't have you can't be a point guard without all clear, you know close to elite level uh, ball dribble you know it's it's just it's just I don't know man it's just it's crazy dude but yeah everything like you can say the offense can flow through somebody that's fine that's different than you know being a point guard anyway let's get done I gotta I gotta get this puppy going here let's let's look at the I don't know if we're going to do a Monday show just because it's a quick turnaround, but we have uh, the Revenge Tour tonight, back-to-back games, this time at Utah. Then we get a day off, take on at Memphis, and then we do get two days off. We should be looking pretty fresh against Dallas. Hopefully we're able to, you know, focus enough and beat Washington to, to go into the break on a good note, but um, – I got a feeling that we're going to beat Utah tonight. We are an underdog by like five and a half points. The underdog uh, stuff on the road's not crazy. Five and a half points might be. Utah's not started out really well. They've kind of come back to the pack. Um, Memphis, they did win last night, but they were on a stretch. I think they've lost like nine of their last 12 or something like that. They have had two performances where they look like they're getting it figured out. Um, they do have some off-the-court distractions going around uh, with them, either off the court while they're on the court with the fans in, uh, you know, a, a, a certain somebody that used to play in the NFL or some other stuff that happened that we're still trying to get details off of uh, with the Pacers game after the game. Some really weird shit that I'm not going to sit there and report on because it's it's kind of vague of what it was. But there was enough people, coaches, managers, players, people tied to it that found themselves in a really weird situation. Um, but I'm not going to sit there and sit. There was a laser pointed. We don't know what laser it was from. But you're not going to point lasers after you just got done talking shit to people. Um, so it's a little funky. So they're – they're, Memphis is weird. They had this great run, and now they're kind of eh right now. Maybe we're catching them at the right time. Maybe they've turned the you know the the page. I don't know, but it's a tough stretch. You know, at Utah, Memphis, and then Dallas. Like we said with Kyrie, who knows? Maybe maybe it takes a little while. We're gonna have to outscore them though. That's for sure. I don't know. I could see two and one. I could see one and two. You know, I do feel I feel like we can beat Utah tonight. Um, but, you know, it is a back-to-back game. They didn't play full minutes, though, because they didn't need to last night because they got their ass kicked. So I think I think the ass kicking, maybe this is a blessing in disguise of like, hey, every, like, ten games it seems like we need a slap in the face. And uh, that was uh, that was more of a punch in the face, maybe a brick to the head. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, if we have rivals, Chris, which is questionable, but it's going to be Utah and Memphis. Um, Utah, obviously, because of the trade and everything, and uh, sure, Memphis yeah. because of the last uh, series. And you know, I think we have unlocked Memphis. I'm going to say that, but that's at home, not on the road. Um, and Utah, you know, it's just going to be, uh, I will say, it's going to be a fight. You know, I, I think we can win. Obviously, we can win, but you know, Beasley comes out and hits shots, or you know, things happen, um, or you don't play well. It's not going to go well for you. So. 
if you're going to do this, those next- two are on the trading block too. Not to interrupt, I forgot to mention that. So mm-hmm. there yeah, might be a good. chance that they don't play. You know, absolutely. I don't know. I forgot yeah. about that. Well, that's a good point. I didn't think about it. Nonetheless, um, let's say things are as they are. Um, next three games, I like. You know, I want to say you're going to beat Utah and Memphis, Chris, but I just don't know because they're road games. So I'm going to say you split. You're going to win one of those, lose one of them. I think you're probably going to win Utah. Tough place to play at Memphis. Let's call that a loss. And then Dallas, I'm going to call it a loss too. Although it could be a win with the Kyrie and everything like that, but Luka's tough and can score 40 on you pretty quick if you don't play defense. Um, So, you know, I want to go it's a one and two. I say we beat Utah. Uh, lose to Memphis and Dallas, but that could so easily be two and one if you just beat Memphis. And I think you can. I think uh, Anderson gave us some tips to beat Memphis. And if we can do that on the road, uh, not only will it be a great win, but it'll also be uh, good for any future playoff uh, matchup that might happen to just let them know that, hey, you can beat them back to back. If you see them again, uh, you might not uh, uh, be so confident if you're Memphis. Right, even two and two going into the the break, beating Washington. Obviously, this year you can't just count games when they're teams we should beat. But uh, man, I really hope that it's two and two going into the break. We may or may not do a show on Monday. We may try to find something during the week, just because there's literally you know only two games. There'll be a game that night. Maybe I don't know your schedule as far as being able to do a game, a post game stuff at Dallas. It's just. To only have two games and then do a show, I'm not quite sure now the trade deadline. You know, if we make a trade, we're going to be doing a show Monday for sure. But we'll figure it out. We'll definitely see you next week sometime, probably Monday, but we'll see. Because uh, I, I, I kind of, you know, before I didn't think we were going to make a trade. Now, I don't know. You know, kind of thinking, man, maybe they will. I don't know. But either way, we'll be back next week. Let's hope they get some dubs here. Uh, have a great week. Peace.